0: At Design Centre Chelsea Harbour, it's never been easier to discover what's happening in the world of design. Head to SW10 and you can browse 600 of the world's most prestigious brands in 120 showrooms, all under one roof. And it's not just for the professionals. If you need help and advice, there's a concierge desk and even a personal shopping service.
1: Got a more extensive collection with fromentals, so we've come up with some really exciting designs. Oh, nice. um, that are completely different. but for me, I love wallpaper and I, I use a little, chino, a lot of chinoiserie. You know, we've used their blossom design a lot in bedrooms. And I'm kind of, you know, I love it. It's a classical one, but I don't like to repeat things too much. There's only so many colorways you can do. Yeah. So I said. I'd like to do another design that had some movement in it, and it's blossom branches and they're sort of swaying slightly to one side and there's little petals flying off of it, and it just gives you that feel of sort of a summer's day with a cool breeze going through.
0: Hello, I'm Carol Annett from Country and Townhouse magazine. Welcome to the House Guest podcast, where I chat with experts from the world of interior design and decoration, the people behind the houses and hotels you see in glossy magazines like ours. Some of the names will be familiar and others may be less so, but I'm sure you'll recognize the hotels and restaurants they've designed. And if you're in the middle of your own building project or restyle, maybe you'll pick up some tips for yourself. If you listen on the Entel app, there's more information and images on the projects and places mentioned. Today I am sitting in Surrey with Sophie Patterson. Welcome, Sophie. Thank
1: you for having me, Carol.
0: I was looking at some of your interviews you've done in the past, and one of the questions that you were asked was, how do you make a room look expensive? And your answer was, hire me, (laughs) (laughs) which I thought, well, actually, that's, yes, you're exactly right because, you know, we talk about rooms being functional and cosy, but actually you are at that end of the spectrum where people are coming to you because they want their house to look expensive and luxurious and beautiful, and obviously with the, everything else that goes to combine into yeah. it. So, so how do you make your house look expensive?
1: I mean, that's never really been my end goal, <laughs> make it as, <laughs> as expensive as possible. I think every client and everybody wants their house to say something about them. You don't yeah. hire a designer without having some idea of what you want your house to say about you. you know? Every purchase we make is saying something about ourselves. And most of my clients come to me and they say they want it to look like it's classical, it will endure, and that's something that we really sort of aim for. So every time when we finish a project, my team hate me, but I make us go through the photos and say, what could we have done better?
0: Do you? Yes. I mean, we
1: also do what did we do well, and we give ourselves a pat on the back and we feel good about ourselves. But I think it's really important that you're constantly learning. And for me, I think I've become a much better designer in the last 10 years because on every project you learn something Um, but we have a real spectrum of clients so we have a lot of Middle Eastern clients and their look is a lot more luxurious a lot more elaborate and then I also get a lot of family clients who appreciate the more rustic chic look that I do particularly my own home you know I've got kids I had a dog I don't want to feel like I'm on edge the whole time I want quite a relaxed look and I say I think I have two types of client that come to me for two very different looks I think all of our work has a stream through it you can recognise that it's been designed by us but different clients want to prioritise different things some of them want it to be very impressive some of them want it to be very comfortable and practical so it's led by them
0: and you started the studio when you were 24 which is just ridiculously Crazy. young i know
1: you don't realize how young you are though when you're 24 you think you know everything <laughs> and i think it was a blessing because i think if i knew what lay ahead you know i wouldn't ever want to do anything else but it is such a monumental task you have to like do lots, so many little steps so many things you have to learn about even if you've got a formal background in design you need to learn about accounting you need to learn about hr you know, you're never going to have all bases covered Um, and I think it was quite good in a way that I just went in completely oblivious to what was going to be involved I never had really a plan of having a big company or a big team I just thought I'll do this for a few years and then I'll have kids and retire to the countryside and be a full-time mum They just didn't work out like
0: that I don't think your client's going to let you do that <laughs> <laughs> so you gained your experience initially in the property development sector that's right um, and then you decided to head out on your own and can you remember your first client
1: my first private client mm. I can yeah it was a family in Cambridge so they'd seen I Instagram and all of that wasn't around back then, but they had Facebook and I just thought I didn't have time to put a website together and also I was reluctant to do it. So I thought I'll share what I'm doing on Facebook because I wanted all my friends to see I'm not actually just dossing about, I'm doing something (laughs) constructive with my time. And I was proud of what we'd done and I always took professional photos right from the very beginning. I knew that I needed to have good quality photos in order to build my portfolio. And so um, my first client was the cousin of one of my sister's friends. So it was quite a loose contact but what really struck me was how the fact that she'd followed me on Facebook she felt like she knew me and mm. um, so instantly she came and it was like she'd already made her mind up that she was going to work with me um, and that was a lovely project it was a huge project and I dived right into the deep end I think it was about 13,000 square foot it was a new build house in Cambridge but we just we worked together really well she had a really good eye and um, one thing that I've been lucky with with, as my career progresses, as I get bigger and bigger budgets. So on that one, we had to be really clever and really resourceful and um, sort of make the budget stretch a lot further than we do these
0: days. And you come from a kind of marketing background. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting how you, I mean, you have a huge amount of Instagram followers, over 300,000. Does a lot of your work come through Instagram now? And I mean, obviously it started with Facebook. Absolutely. I'd say... 90 percent
1: comes through instagram and quite often those clients will come back and give us more work or they might refer us to friends or family
0: and what i love about your instagram as well is that you share it's not just about interiors it's very it's very personal to you you share the ups and downs of family life and Mm -hmm. and children and little avas on there and you're just about to have number two which is very (laughs) exciting um but when i look at it you sort of click on thinking you're just going to get interiors but then you, so you get drawn into um, you as a personality because you're sharing so much on there as well and I know from other interior designers that you because a lot of them follow you as well yeah we which I think is a great work, accolade yeah. but also I know from talking to other women that you you instigated um, like a group of female interior designers and you all get together um, so tell me about that's that right. because I, that's I think that's quite interesting as well the fact that you're you're so comfortable in yourself that you not only sharing so much on Instagram but you're also sharing with other interior designers as well.
1: Yeah, that was a um, an idea that I got when I was in America. I go to California every January, um, and there was an amazing designer that I met up with that I knew through Instagram, and we again we felt like we knew each other. We met up for cocktails, and she was telling me about a group that she had and they were meeting up a couple of days later and we're going to have cocktails and talk about you know all the problems you face as a business owner and an interior designer and I just thought that was such a good idea and I said to her do you mind if I steal that idea and take it to England she was like no absolutely go for it so when I got back I thought about all the people that I follow on Instagram that are designers and it wasn't necessarily that I wanted them to all be female it's just we we sort of get to know each other a lot through events and Um, we've seen each other around so I got in touch with 10 designers because that was what I could fit around my dining table (laughs) (laughs) and all of them straight away and I I remember I drafted this long email I thought does this sound weird that I'm inviting you for dinner I've never met you but I feel like I've met you and but all of them got the concept straight away and I said you know I just feel that it would be really nice to have a group of designers you know none of us are like super competitive with each other I think we could sort of strengthen each other and it would be so nice to share like any problems that we're having or get advice from each other or even just, you know, have a nice time. But I think unless you're an interior designer, you don't really understand what the job's like. People don't really want to hear what it's like. They just want to think that we're like off flying here, there and everywhere and it's very glamorous and we're plumping cushions, um, but the reality isn't like that. And so it's so nice to have this support group of, you know, we've expanded and now we've invited more and more people. I think we're up to about 14 or 15. But we have a group of designers and we have a WhatsApp group and if ever we come across a problem that we've not dealt with before, we don't know what to do, we WhatsApp each other. And straight away all of us will reply and help each other out and it's, it's just a really nice thing to have because I think when you're a business owner it can be quite a lonely place, you can't really share what's going on with all your staff, you have to sort of swallow a lot and deal with everything by yourself so having that network has
0: been amazing. So as we are sitting in your own home, mm-hmm. tell us about your house and what what you were planning. I know you just you're making some changes. No so I'm nesting, on, big <laughs> nesting on steroids. I call it. <laughs> so what are you actually? What did you feel wasn't right when you'd? Because um, did you do work when you first moved in? Yeah, well, it was um,
1: it was a development. So when I found it, I loved the layout and. It, you know we weren't planning on moving into Surrey I sort of like slowly edged my way out of South Kensington looked at Fulham and um looked at Wimbledon and Richmond and couldn't so you were find... hanging on to London yeah, for dear life I was I was I was only 28 so I was like no I'm too cool for this so I can't <laughs> do it yet <laughs> but then I saw this house and I just fell in love with it and I remember thinking I thought it was beyond what we could afford And I remember being in this room, and I always wanted to have a big family, kitchen, living area, open plan space with French doors open onto the garden. And I just remember feeling insanely jealous, thinking, I know that, look, we can't have this, but I I hate whoever's going to get this. I want it to be my house. And I'd never really felt like that. I'd seen about 40 houses at this point. And I'd always thought, oh yeah, I could see the potential, they could be nice, but didn't feel that real connection to a house. So I loved the layout, I knew the developer, I knew the kind of spec that they were likely to do, they'd shown me some of the finishes, and I knew that if they put those finishes in, that it wouldn't be the right house for me. So yeah. so we ended up negotiating with them that I could design all the interior architecture and all the, all the finishes um, before we bought the place, because we were still waiting for our house to sell. Um, And they would, we'd have to pay them a retainer. So it was quite a nerve-wracking time, actually. I think it took us about four months to sell our house in London. Yeah. And it was only a small muse house, but we sort of hedged our bets that we'd be able to sell that before they could sell this. Yeah. So, um, you know, I felt like it was right. I think the things that I didn't get right the first time around, you know, I'm not a lighting expert. You know, I've learned a lot in the 10 years that I've been a designer, but... When they came to me, I think they gave me, like, two hours. They are like, by the way, you need to plot all the lighting positions. I hadn't even done the furniture layout at that point. So yeah. I just did the typical thing of a grid layout, and it was just awful. Um, so that's one thing we've been doing while I've been pregnant this time, is we've torn down all the
0: ceilings. And I had John Cullen redesign all the lighting. Um, and would you normally, in a big project, would you normally have a lighting designer anyway?
1: Um, we always suggest
0: it to our clients.
1: Now I've yeah. got some interior architects on in the team, like... They have, they're much better than I am at lighting design. They can do a really good job. But I, having seen, you know, we've done three projects with them with John Cullen now, I've seen the level that they take it to. I think if it's something that's important to you, they're gonna have that extra level of expertise, especially in one of the projects we've done is a grade two listed project um, in Mayfair. And we couldn't touch the ceiling. So you have to really be able to think outside the box when you can't put spotlights in the ceiling.
0: Tell me about your collaborations, because you've done, when I first met you, you were do, doing something with Vis-a-Vis. That's right. So we
1: did, um, everything I do tends to sort of grow, so that started off, so they got in touch with me, they wanted me to design a linen collection, they'd done some Parisian designers and architects before, and I was the first UK designer that they'd chosen. So it was a real honour, and I, I absolutely loved working with them, and their, you know, their craftsmanship is incredible, like all the embroidery that they do. Um, But we ended up doing two collections because we couldn't quite narrow it down. We did one that was the butterflies that flutter across the bed linen and the towels. And then we did, um, because when I was researching, I was fascinated by, if you look at a butterfly wing under a microscope, the pattern and the sort of scale effect that you get. And I thought that would work quite well because whenever I design something, I like to make sure that I have a feminine element and a masculine element. And the butterfly one very much was feminine. Um, whereas the scale, close-up, microscopic view of the wing, we did it in greys, and I could sort sort of see that in a completely different project. So we did two collections, and then they said to me that how they like to showcase it, is they like me to design a room set, and all the previous designers had designed a room set. So then I thought, well, if I'm going to design a room set, I should probably get in touch with Fremantle and design something specific for this space that will work with the butterflies. So then that ended up being my first collaboration with Fremental. We designed, um, we call it the Ava wallpaper. and It's got lots of <laughs> oh, butterflies sweet. flying around. And it's a chinoiserie and it's quite similar to some of their other designs, but it's a much more pared back chinoiserie. Because I love chinoiserie, but what I've learned with my clients is that you almost need an introduction into it. You can't go straight into the really like, fussy designs. It doesn't work for some people. So I said, let's just get it back, have some magnolia trees, a couple of butterflies here a couple of birds there so we did that and then i designed a capsule collection with sofa and chair company they did the um, the sofas and the end of bed bench and then i designed some bedside tables because i needed some bedside tables to go the space and um, so that was really my introduction into collaborations and it worked really well and i really really enjoyed it we had an amazing launch party and it was just nice working with companies that I'd worked with on my clients' projects but to do something slightly more public where my followers could buy something that i designed bespoke, and um, which normally we wouldn't be able to offer. So since then, I'm actually gonna launch this probably September. Um, I've got a more extensive collection with Fromental, so we've come up with some really exciting designs oh, nice. um that are completely different that for me I love wallpaper and I I use a little chino- a lot of chinoiserie. Um but for me there were a lot of gaps that weren't quite being filled with what I wanted for the bedrooms that I was designing.
0: In what so can you give us a hint then <laughs> in what sort of ways?
1: So one of the ones that I wanted to do was um I've got loads of olive trees in my garden and I remember I was sitting here at seven o'clock in the morning one day and I was like, I'd love to do something that had olive trees. You know, I love they're all antique olive trees, so like the, the bark is two hundred years old and it's all knotty. And I thought if you could get that effect through a watercolour that would look so beautiful and I love the colour of the the sort of celadon green of the leaves so I just sketched my pen I'm not great at drawing but I sketched what I envisaged and then I thought the other thing I really want is you know we've used their blossom design a lot in bedrooms I've kind of you know I love it it's a classical one but I don't like to repeat things too much there's only so many colourways you can do so I said um I'd like to do another design that had some movement in it, so we call it, I think we've agreed the name will be Branches in the Breeze, and it's blossom branches and they're sort of swaying slightly to one side and there's little petals flying off of it, and it just gives you that feel of sort of a summer's day with a cool breeze going through. Um, so so you, do you sit down with Lizzie then and do it with her? No, so that, this was all on an email. <clears throat> what I love about Fremantel is that they're just, because they're like a really dynamic company, they're so fast moving. So I literally emailed this to Tim. Like I sent three sketches and told him my ideas behind it and said, Tim, what do you think? I think this would be really popular. And as a designer, I feel like it's something I would specify a lot. And I think other designers would as well. And straight away, he was like, yeah, I love it let's um draw it up and you know put it onto like an elevation and see what it looks like so that was i think that might have been february this year um and we've gone through quite a few revisions we've changed all the colorways um and then emma who works for him she's she's drawn up some of them she's painted some of them and a lot of them have also come from their studio in china so i just saw the final designs i think
0: oh can't wait can't wait
1: (laughs) watch this space
0: (laughs) far as your own clients because i i know you you're very much hands-on and it's very much it's very personal personally important to you that you have a good relationship with a client and you're Absolutely. you're there for all the the fit outs and everything um and so you talk about this f- masculine and feminine in each in, in every way so how does that manifest, manifest itself um so for example with dressing rooms Um, With dressing rooms,
1: it totally depends on whether they're going to share a dressing room or if they've got their own spaces. Generally, I'd say 90% of the time, if they've got a dressing room, they're going to have separate ones in our clients' projects. Um, And I'd say, you know, if I look at all the projects that we're designing right now, um, both the women have gone for, there's two dressing rooms in particular i'm thinking of they've both gone really out there in their dressing room and i think it's influenced by my own dressing room probably because i share a lot of my own house i find a lot of people come to me with sort of pictures of various projects of ours that we've done but they tend to go the extreme because that's an area just for them and so they want to go really really strong you know feminine very feminine color palette um whereas For the men, they don't really necessarily want something that you'd think is typically very masculine. They don't want a dark space. Um, I think sometimes if you sort of predict what someone's going to want, you're not going to get what they want, give them what they want. So um, the women, I say, would go very strong, like very feminine style in their dressing room, but the men is is more gender neutral. They still want a light space that's nice to get dressed in in the morning if they're leaving early
0: to go to work. And you can create little niche areas so if you have a favorite Birkin bag or something Mm. you can we do that quite
1: a lot and it's always a struggle because um we always 99% of the time we shoot the project before the client moves in because I feel that it's quite sort of disruptive for them they've just moved into their home they might be waiting months or years the last thing they want is the designers coming back with a photographer so we try and shoot it at the same time as we're installing it on the last two days and there'll be chaos behind the lens but it looks all serene and perfect in front but the one thing that I always think is sad is that a lot of my clients have these amazing bag collections and I have to bring my own bag to so my own collection. It's like, oh, here's this bag you've seen a million times again in the dressing room. I think, oh, if only I could just get them to send just a few of their Birkins
0: along a couple of days early, that would be great. Yeah, we'll have to do, we'll have to do a borrow a Birkin on Instagram, I'm yeah. sure we will there. Yeah, I'll ring up Hermes. I'm sure they'll say yes. Um, and what about... Gardens. Do you get get involved in the in the gardens, the outdoor spaces? We do. Um. And I again, it's the same with
1: lighting design. Like I always say, if you genuinely don't have the budget or the inclination to hire a garden designer, we will help you. Um. But we can only take it so far. So we're like you know, perfectly happy to do terraces. And and in fact, I would want to do the terrace because a a lot of our rooms are about indoor outdoor living. Um. So we'll and also we'll specify all the finishes. So a lot of my clients. Might want to have a limestone floor, but like going back to what I said earlier is like you you learn so much with each job. So now I always push them away from natural limestone. So I know it's going to stain in our climate. It's not going to look good in five years' time. So now we're exploring a lot many um, porcelain products that look just like limestone, but you know you you don't have to like jet wash them every two weeks to make them look good. And would
0: you have that going from inside to the outside, or would you? There have There are separate?
1: products that you can use, but. I've never done it myself. I've always chosen what felt right for the, say it was the kitchen. I'd rather specify what feels right for the kitchen and then do something that
0: complements it or tones well for outside rather than necessarily have exactly the same tile. And what's that artwork? I mean, you've got some beautiful sculptures here. You've got some prancing horses and uh, two... Is it one piece or two bronze? Um, They're
1: two separate ones, but then you put them close together so it sort of looks like they're sort of whispering in each other's ear. (laughs) Beautiful.
0: So will you find artwork for
1: houses as well? We do. So when we take on a project, we generally only do full house refurbishments, um, and we take it right down to the turnkey styling. So most of the clients that come to us even want us to get their bed linen and their towels. They want to move in and everything's completely done. So artwork's a big part of that. Um, But I'm always looking for new artists, because so many of our clients have really specific requests. Um, so if they're from the Middle East they don't necessarily want anything with anyone's face in the piece, they prefer more abstract or textile pieces. Um, and I find it so important to know what artwork, whether it's whether we choose the artwork or we're working with the client's artwork, I always say to them, can we just see a picture of all the pictures that you've got, all the paintings, and we'll design the room around it, because I hate nothing more than if you designed a room and then a random piece of art goes up and it just doesn't work together. Mm. For me, you know, I start with the interiors and the artwork comes later, but if my client prioritises Mm. artwork, I'd like to see what they've got so we can design around that Mm. from the very beginning.
0: Um, And talking of which, Linen, you've just about to launch, or it is launched with Coase.
1: It launched the 1st of June, and they got in touch with me about a year ago and they said, can we send you... um, a gift of some of our towels or have a look at whatever you would like on our website so i chose a monogram towel because i've always loved monogramming and you know all my team joke that if you stand still long enough you're going to get monogrammed it. <laughs> in fact even when i've got an
0: sp tattoo
1: i've got a logo air punch and when i first got that that was my favorite toy and i would try it out on everything everything got this embossed sp on it <laughs> um, but i've moved on from then um and so they sent me this, this towel, and the quality was amazing. The packaging was so nice. I love their branding. And, you know, I, just, I speak quite bluntly, and I always feel like I, if I'm, as a business owner, I'd rather hear honest feedback from people rather than just be like, oh, I love it. Tell If you've got something helpful to tell me, tell me. So I, I emailed them, and I said, thank you so much. But I'll just give you a bit of feedback. I felt like the the style of the monogram or the font was very limited in the colour and if we could just if you could just expand it to include these colours and if you could think about these fonts, I feel like you'd do so much better. And they were like, Oh, thanks so much for the feedback and that was that and then maybe nine months or six months went by and then they came back to me and they said, We've been thinking about it, we'd love to do a collection and we'd love to do it with you. Would you consider it? And I said, Oh, I'd I'd love that you know, I've I would always want to do collections but I, if I'm honest I don't want to deal with the logistics behind it. I don't want to get into mm. manufacturing. I just want to come up with the designs and have someone else deal with all of that. So we sat down and I showed them all the monogram styles of monograms I've been putting on Pinterest for years um, and said to them you know what is possible, what's is, what is, what is your company capable of doing and so we came up with these monogram styles and I s- said the other thing that I'd really like to do is I've always felt like monogramming in the uk is really hard work and i wanted to make it possible online completely without having to go to a shop and go through loads of catalogues so i said let's get a tool where you can put in your initials or whatever it is that you want to say and then it will come up with a sort of preview of what that will look like and so that was a really key part of it so we've done that so now we do towels we do tea towels as well um, which everyone laughed at me when I said let's do monogram tea towels, but they've been selling like hotcakes. cakes have they? <laughs> they <have.
0: laughs> I bet Dan loves that. Because they're, yeah. they're such a nice unit they're as well. They're such nice yeah, people, Dan and Ben. And they're charming, aren't
1: they? They're so nice, and for me, like I get, I'm in a really lucky position. I get offered a lot of collaboration opportunities, and. You know, you've only got so much time, and I don't want to, like, take away all my time from my clients, so I'm really picky about who I'll work with, and my main criteria with clients and collaborations is do I like you and do I trust you, because you have to have a lot of trust, and, you know, although it's their brand, my brand's tied up in it, so if they were to let someone down, I would feel that would reflect on me, so they've been great to work with, and their team are amazing as well.
0: So you started your Instagram account a long time ago. Yeah, so I I think I signed
1: up for it back in 2012, but probably did nothing with it for six months, and then... And it's um, at Sophie Patterson Interiors. That's right. And then my first Instagram post, I'm actually a technophobe, believe it or not, like until (laughs) I really get to know an app, then I just, you know, technology falls apart around me, my computer always dies on me at least once a week. Um so I sort of just uploaded a photo to see how do you upload it where does it go what does it look like and I uploaded a picture of a bottle of champagne in my living room didn't do a caption didn't do anything didn't really know why I did it I just wanted to see how it worked and then 6 months went by and I moved into this house and I thought you know I want to start sharing sort of the journey I always found it fascinating when designers share not just the end result but sort of the process of how they got there as well so I thought I'll share a bit of that you know even down to the books that I chose my living room table you know I I actually went to waterstones with fabric samples Did you? Added in Guildford I had my that. poor husband carry like I don't know 10 yeah. really heavy coffee table books back while I was like checking was it the perfect shade of gray to match with my interiors I love that and that was obviously that attention
0: to detail attention <laughs> to detail slash
1: OCD but I've loosened up a little bit since then Um, But I just thought, you know what, I I want to share the kind of things that I wish other people would share. You know, I'm a nosy person, I love seeing behind the scenes, and when designers that I know share stuff that, you know, you wouldn't normally see unless Mm. you're in that company, I love it, you know, everyone loves being nosy. So I thought I'd do that, and quite quickly, I think because I was taking the approach that I, I am quite an open person, I was sharing not just our portfolio, which... You know, it's nice to look at pretty pictures, but it gets boring quite quickly, but I was sharing bits about my family or, you know, behind the scenes in our studio. Um, I was getting a lot of followers quite quickly. And I thought, you know, I didn't know how it was going to work out and what value that really had. And I had a lot of people say to me, why do you spend so much time doing this? Like, what's the point? Like, how are you going to get any return on this? And I just said to them, you know, I I just feel this platform's got a lot of capacity to grow. And one day this is going to be worthwhile. Um, and it was a gut feeling and so I persevered with it and probably within the first year I got my first big project through um, Instagram and it was in Cobham and the lady and the wife got in touch and she thought that you know she loved my house and she could see that I lived in Surrey and she said would you consider designing my house and we went there and it was an amazing new build it was like the perfect project lovely clients great budget and I was just like God, I'd love to do this, and I was still working by myself at that time, so it was just magical timing. I had these two designers that were really keen to work with me, and I was sort of pushing them back because I was scared, if I'm honest, to hire staff. It's quite a scary responsibility, yeah. I'm sure. And I sort of it was an egg and um chicken, chicken and, egg and egg scenario like, do you get the designers first or do you get the project first? And everything came together perfectly. So we, I said yes to that project, I hired the designers and you know since then it's just like exploded because Hera project was great i shared it on instagram i got more inquiries and it's just this sort of um machine that grows itself now
0: it's what you say about being brave though um i mean i think you've been incredibly brave but also incredibly um i mean you don't seem to, to you know do you ever sort of sit down and put your feet up
1: no. <laughs> no. Even, like, three weeks to go till I have a baby, I'm, like, doing meetings, I visits. I just don't know how to slow down. I, you know, I'm renovating my whole house, because that's what sensible people do three weeks before they have a baby. Um, but I get bored really easily, and I like being busy. I love interior design. But it doesn't really feel like work to me, so... You know, I can't even watch TV or watch a film these days without also being on Instagram or emailing, you know, Co's or you know Andrew Martin, coming up with ideas and saying why don't we do this or do that. So what what are you doing
0: with Martin Waller?
1: Um. So Andrew Martin, I've always loved Andrew Martin. At the shop before I did this job, even because you
0: use quite a lot of it in your projects as well, don't you?
1: I do, yeah. I mean, we use some of their fabrics, we use some of their ready-made pieces. They're great prices. We they're use fantastic them, yeah, prices. Yeah, amazing. Yeah,
0: you don't really realise that until no. you actually go and have a look.
1: And I think they've been quite smart. You know, they've got a new CEO, Mike Durbridge, and he's really sort of pushed the online side of things and. And again, although they're a really established business, they're very dynamic, which I like about them. So if ever I go to them with an idea, they always say, yes, let's do it. Mm-hmm. So Martin Warren came to my, um, my launch at Vis-a-Vis, the party I invited him. And um, they came back to me a few months later and said, would you like to do something? Um, and I said, you know, what I'd really like to do is, um, I would shared some of their cushions before and they said to me, because I used their cushions in my playroom, And they said the impact of that on Instagram was huge. They suddenly got like a massive increase in sales. And they said, if there's something you're excited about, something you feel there's a gap in the market, let us know what it is and maybe we could do it together. So I said, I think there is a massive gap. And I think what people would really like to do is um, have my cushions that we make bespoke for our clients, but they're not really affordable. You know, like by the time Mm -hmm. you've added all the trims and the different fabrics and you've done the spec, you need to do it on quite a large scale to make it worthwhile. So I said, what I'd love to do is do a more luxurious line of cushions with you. Um, and again, same with vis vis that grew. So that was originally meant to be just cushions. Then we realised um, I didn't want to do it just with their existing fabric collection. So we designed some fabrics together and I told them all the different fabrics that I liked and um, they were really open to ideas. So I love linens. I, you know, as much as I love luxurious projects, like in here, if you look at what the fabrics I use, quite often they're just quite simple fabrics printed onto a linen. Um, and I love
0: geometric patterns. I love herringbone. Because um, you've got... I was noticing in the new nursery, you've mm-hmm. got like a sort of herringbone wallpaper going on. Yeah, up. I mean, the sofa we're sat on is herringbone. No. This like, is true. Is. Even the Roman
1: blinds, like I've got a bit of a weird obsession with it. <laughs> if it's an upholstery <laughs> fabric and it's herringbone, I'm going to love it. Um, but I feel like it's just such a classical design. You can layer lots of different patterns onto it. So we have now done a fabric collection. I think there's three designs and then we've come out with a trim collection that will go with the uh, with the fabrics and then we've got maybe 25 cushion designs by the time you've got all the different colourways um, and that's going to launch in September oh, nice. so I'm really excited about that
0: and is Ava showing any signs of putting cushions in the right place she is she
1: is and I really didn't want to it, but I'm so (laughs) proud her favorite thing to do at the moment her favorite game is um she loves a tape measure and she goes around measuring things and then um two of the girls in the office are called Katie and Sarah and she she alternates between who she is today she says I'm Sarah (laughs) you're Katie and then she just types away at something pretending that she's working Um, oh the next generation is intact it's
0: coming along I know
1: I know and she's very bossy um which I think is necessary as an interior designer, you have to be quite assertive. Um, but she loves it. She, you know, whenever I'm designing something, especially if I'm designing in the house, I've got fabric samples lying around. She's like, "Mummy, I'm going to make it look pretty." and She sort of arranges it. She doesn't get that they're fabric samples. She thinks they are what make the room look pretty. So she'll just casually drape a sample onto her cushion and say, "Mummy, isn't that pretty?" <laughs>
0: The business is assured, you're fine. Yeah. You have the will. next step. Hopefully I can retire sooner than she can take over. Absolutely. Sophie, thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure. Yeah,
1: it's been such a pleasure. Thanks for coming.
0: Thanks for listening to House Guests from Country and Townhouse magazine with me, Carol Annett. Don't forget to subscribe to the series on iTunes or Entail, where you can also find images, links and notes to enhance each episode. In the meantime, you can follow me on Instagram at Carol W carolwannett. And keep up to date on all the podcast news and show notes online at countryandtownhouse.co.uk slash podcast. And please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe.